Hi, this is Pastor Josh from First Baptist Church of Cambria. Wherever you are listening in, thanks so much for for tuning in today. The big question for me as a pastor over these past several weeks and for our leadership team, our, our staff, is how do we minister when we can't be together? How do we uh, speak into the lives of the people of the church? How do we uh, build each other up in the Lord when we can't meet together? This really should be the question uh, for all of us. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a minister of Jesus. Tony Payne, in The Course of Your Life, uh, describes God's agenda for every believer. Uh, God's big agenda for the course of our new lives in Christ is to transfer forgiven rebels like us out of the domain of darkness and into his eternal kingdom and to transform us toward maturity in Christ as we wait for his return. And so this should be the the overarching this goal and mission of our lives is to see people come to know Jesus and grow in maturity in their relationship with the Lord. This is what we should be seeking in our own lives and in the lives of others. Well, as a church, we do this in all kinds of ways. It's the major uh, point of our worship gatherings, our worship services. Uh, this happens in conversations before and after church. Uh, it happens definitely in our small groups. It happens in the course of just our, our regular work, our jobs. Maybe if we're involved in, in clubs or different activity groups. It happens in mentoring relationships over coffee. In, in all these ways, we are seeking to, um, to encourage the saints to grow toward maturity in Christ. But what do we do if we can't have worship services, if there's no conversations before and after, if there's no small groups, we're isolated at work, there's no clubs, there's no mentoring, there's no coffee? How do we carry out the most basic agenda of our lives as followers of Jesus, that is to grow closer to Jesus and encourage others to do the same? How do we do this when we can't be together? Well, the earliest of the the leaders of the Christian church dealt with this very same problem. Uh, there was this group of believers in Colossae, and and Paul and Timothy got these mixed reports. Um, great encouragement about how things were going, but also some sort of alarming things. And there's this group of people, this group of Christians, followers of Jesus, that desperately needed encouragement to be all that God intended, to experience all that God intended in their lives. But Paul was not allowed to visit them. He was locked up in a Roman prison. So what does he do? He, he does two things. He prays for them, and he sends them a message. And his prayer is the same as his message. And it's the same as my prayer for you. It should be your prayer for each other, and it happens to be the topic of this message today. The prayer and the message is this. Pray for the life that God wants. Pray for the life that God wants. Pray this for yourself. Pray this for others. See, God has very good intentions for every believer. He has this ideal agenda. He desires to see certain things in your life, that, and all this results in his good pleasure. He's just delighted in it. But what is it that God desires? Well, it's spelled out for us in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 9 to 14. 
in our small groups, we're studying this right now. And in our recent small groups, we actually memorized this passage, uh, several of us. Um, I plan to start in on the book of Proverbs uh, next week, which I'm really excited about. But this was just too good and too timely to pass up. So turn in your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14. And this setting, just very briefly, is Paul and his team. They heard of the Colossians' faith, their hope, their love. And they also heard that they were being swayed by some wrong ideas. And so he sent this letter from Rome to the church at Colossae to encourage them, saying, verse 3, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for heaven. So we've heard of your faith, we've heard of your hope, we've heard of your love, and we give thanks. But it's not all that he heard, apparently, as we see in the rest of the book. He heard this report where people were neglecting things they shouldn't neglect. They were practicing things they shouldn't really practice. And they were starting to believe things they shouldn't believe. And that's true uh, among us. Um, We have these same tendencies. So what should we pray for ourselves and others? And what should we say to ourselves and others. And here is the heart of the prayer. Verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. This is the prayer, to be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, where we pray for a deep understanding of what God wants from us. And and why do we pray this? Uh, Verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. So when you know what God really desires, you can align your life with him and be fully pleasing to him. So kind of summary, Paul heard this report. It led him to constantly pray, and his prayers were that they would understand what God wants in order that they would live as God intended and therefore be fully pleasing to God. But the question we'll focus on uh, for the rest of our time is played out in these next few verses. And the basic question is, what, what does God want? <laughs> what are the characteristics of a life pleasing to God? What should we seek for ourselves and others? What should we pray for ourselves and others? And first, first the in, middle of verse 10, is bearing fruit in every good work. Number one, pray for a life characterized by doing good works. God desires our lives to, to blossom, to flourish with, with good works. Uh, good works might be described as act that we do that are intended to be a restorative blessing. Our world around us needs a whole lot of restoring and we can do good work deeds. We could do good works to address those needs. Jesus' good works, uh, as they were described throughout the Gospels, they typically involved alleviating some kind of human affliction where uh, he fed the hungry He touched the outcasts. He befriended the despised. He healed the sick. He comforted the brokenhearted. He proclaimed the good news to those whose life was all bad news. 
Paul, uh, Apostle Paul, in his epistles, he's probably the most helpful in shaping our understanding of the limitation of good works. Um, works is not, um, they're not meritorious. They don't earn us some favor, earn us grace with God. They're not salvific. They don't uh, save us. But interesting, Paul, even though he's the one most uh, accredited with with teaching us about the limitations of good works, he makes a big deal about uh, the centrality of good works. Uh, Todd Still comments in Expository Bible Commentary. He says, uh, Popular Protestant perceptions notwithstanding, Paul was a proponent of good works. He did not think that humanity could merit God's mercy. However, he advocated and exemplified working and striving for Christ's sake. And that's why we see Paul make statements uh, like in Galatians 6 where he says, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Or Ephesians 2.10 when he says, for we are his workmanship, we're created in Christ Jesus for the very purpose of good works. Created for good works. What opportunities to do good have emerged uh, in this strange season called quarantine? Maybe some of you have a neighbor who needs help getting groceries or maybe somebody who's starved for human interaction. Maybe they just need a smile across the street. Maybe those who are are fretting about uh, their health and what might what might happen in the world. Uh, They need to know a, a hope about a hope in Jesus that transcends our frail bodies. Maybe there's other tangible needs that you can meet, someone in financial need. There's all kinds of things that, opportunities that have emerged to do good in Jesus' name during this time. And God is so delighted to see our love, faith, and hope bear fruit in good works. So pray for a life characterized by doing good works. Pray this for yourself. Pray it for me. Pray it for each other. The second thing to be seeking and praying for is the life characterized by thriving in knowing God. Pray for a life that's characterized by thriving in knowing God. Verse 10, bearing fruit in every good work. And secondly, increasing in the knowledge of God. Bearing fruit, increasing, these are, these are crop metaphors. You know, the crop increases, the plants get bigger, they multiply, they mature. All this describes this, you know, this, this uh, growing, um, maturing uh, process. But growing and maturing in what? In the, in the knowledge of God, in this relational, experiential knowledge of God. In ever-increasing, flourishing, maturing closeness with God. Uh, interesting, in recent years, maybe recent decades, uh, online dating has become a huge phenomenon. Uh, Heather and I met each other the old-fashioned way at Bible College. But now you can find the love of your life online. And you can know all about a person, their likes, their dislikes, by reading their profile. But relational knowledge takes time and real interaction. You don't really know the person until you spend time together and then you spend a lifetime continuing to get to know. This is the kind of relational um, knowledge that we're talking about with God. 
So seek and pray to really know God relationally. Uh, Take this time to talk often to God in prayer. Uh, Spend time together. Respond to his words. Observe how he is at work uh, around you. Observe in scriptures and in life experience what God is like. Well, just like our our first thing, um, in this realm as well, quarantine can actually enrich, (laughs) give you new opportunities for closeness with God, if you let it. I encourage you to find a new relational rhythm, the habits of of thriving through God's word and prayer and worship. Um, Don't don't neglect these core habits of growing close in your relationship with God. God is so delighted when you spend time getting to know him. So pray for a life characterized by thriving in knowing God. And while you're spending all that time with God, uh, chatting and praying, pray for, third, a life characterized by joyfully enduring adversity. Pray for a life characterized by joyfully enduring adversity. So Paul mentioned bearing fruit, increasing in knowledge, and now being strengthened. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all, endur- all endurance and patience with joy. Verse 11. Have you in this season felt uh, vulnerable? Maybe sometimes powerless? Um, discouraged? This is all just too hard. <laughs> and, and for some of you, the whole COVID-19 is the least of your worries. Um, people in our church family and extended families dealing with just profound loss, um, cancer, family crises, spiritual and emotional struggles, conflict. There's things that are just really difficult. Life can be really hard. And sometimes we doubt that we have the strength to carry on. To, and especially that we don't have the strength to endure it with, with joy. We feel weak. Love the simple song, Jesus Loves Me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. We feel weak, but we're invited to be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. With God's power, with God's glorious might, you can endure. Um. Paul uses two words for different aspects. Uh, they can both be translated endure, but different aspects of it. Um, the ESV, English Standard Version, uses the words endurance and patience. Endurance, the word translated endurance here, is basically the capacity to bear up under difficult circumstances. And patience is similar, but it's more the state of emotional calm in the face of of provocation or misfortune, typically by, by other people. And so we might say uh, endurance is the refusal to be daunted by difficult times, and patience is the refusal to be daunted by difficult people. God not only gives the power to endure it, but he gives you the power to endure it with joy. Uh, are you in difficult circumstances? Inconvenience? Maybe Financial losses, restrictions can be so frustrating. 
you're dealing with difficult people, maybe civic leaders or maybe people who take uh, quarantine either more or less seriously than you do. Maybe people in your own home you're in conflict with or just difficult people in your life or people you have issues with. Well, God is delighted when we rely on his strength to endure it with joy. So pray for a life that's characterized by joyfully enduring adversity. Well, this is not a comprehensive list of every aspect of the Christian life, but it, it's what it's four things that Paul draws out that should be uh, the characteristic of every follower of Jesus to, to live the life that, um, that God delights in. So, so far, doing good works, thriving in knowing God, enduring with joy, and finally, pray for a life characterized by gratitude toward God. Our, our life should be characterized by gratitude toward God. Verse 12, uh, the fourth participle here to describe the life pleasing to God is giving thanks to the Father. Well, what if I don't feel like I have a lot to be thankful for? Uh, we'll start here. Verse 12 continues on. Why give thanks to the Father? regardless of what else is going on, because the Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness. He's transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If you are a follower of Jesus through faith in Jesus, then God has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Though unqualified, God has qualified you to receive all the spiritual benefits in his realm and count you among the saints, among the holy ones. God has done this for you if you trusted him by faith. And God has delivered you from the domain of darkness. You're no longer a a slave to the realm of sin, a slave to the realm of death. But instead, God has transferred you to the kingdom of his beloved son. He's made you a citizen of heaven. You now are a resident and, uh, and belong to Christ's realm. God has redeemed you. He's paid the price for your spiritual freedom. God has forgiven you. He's taken care of your sins. All these things are true of you if you have trusted in Christ. I don't want to make light of the very real difficulties that some of you are going through. But it's, I say with confidence that these truths outweigh anything in this life. These spiritual benefits that we can be so grateful to God for. If we just pay attention and look around us, there are a whole lot of things we could just be thankful for. And I, I've been so encouraged over these last few weeks of just hearing from other believers and um, who are practicing uh, thankfulness, who are, are looking in strange circumstances and are seeing where God is at work. Um, just this past week, uh, Wanda made a comment about uh, along these lines saying a lot of people have returned to God during this time. So we praise him for that. Mike said something like unexpected blessings have come from more communication with family. Matt pointed out the opportunities to talk with his neighbors while he was working in the yard that uh, he didn't have before. Tony mentioned how thankful uh, that uh, we have a hope that cannot be taken away by death and disease. 
And others have mentioned things about uh, unexpected provision and being thankful for the technology that allows us to continue on various aspects of ministry and and thankful for the prayers and the notes and different encouragements. So there is a lot. Uh, there is a lot of thankfulness going on out there. And, you know, God is delighted when we focus on gratitude. God is delighted when we spread gratitude. So pray for a life characterized by gratitude toward God. So this should be a snapshot picture of our lives, a life, a life that's fully pleasing to God. We're, we're just... Um, bearing all kinds of fruit in good works. Our, our lives, uh, good works are shining through our lives. We're known for the way that we're meeting needs around us. Um, we're characterized by thriving in knowing God. Um, we're uh, an evidence in our life of our closeness with God is just the time we want to spend with him and, and seek him and, and know him and worship him. Our lives are characterized by by enduring hardship and enduring hard difficult people and doing it uh, with joy. And finally, life's characterized by gratitude to God. That's uh, a life that's grateful for those things that cannot be shaken, the spiritual realities that are true of everyone who is a child of God through faith. And beyond that, spilling over into just a, a, a thankful outlook on life of seeing around us the, the, just the blessings that are, are poured out. So the big idea is simply pray for the life that God wants. We, we pray for a lot of things. We wish for a lot of things. We, we talk about a lot of things. But let's pray that we would have lives that are fully pleasing to God. Pray this for yourself. Then uh, our, my challenge today is just really specific. You know, sometimes it's real vague, like, like love people more. But I want to be real specific. And the challenge is this. Choose, pray, tell. And by that I mean... I, I just want to encourage you, choose at least three people who, for the next seven days, you will pray these four things. Um, pray for their life to be uh, bearing fruit and good works, that they would thrive in knowing God, that they would endure hardship with joy, and that they would uh, be giving thanks to God. Choose, choose three people. Uh, pray these four things uh, for them throughout the week. And uh, finally, Reach out and let them know that you're doing this for them. I think it could be a great encouragement. So let's, uh, let's put everything in perspective and consider what God really wants. And then pray for the life that God wants.